Oh, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the 209 Till Infinity Podcast. CD Slap. Coming to you live from beautiful Series, California, home of the Infinity Studios. Get it, Savage. It's Monday morning, the pod is dropped. Cue up the new soap and the coffee pot. You know these cats got a lot to say. Savage O'Malley and Billy A. Yep. Hip hop life and movies too. Keeping up on the trends just like you. CD slaps hooked up with this funky beat. Oh, you know the boys, we love to eat. Grub it. It's all part of the show. We love to bring to your earbuds hell. We even sing. Mm-hmm. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. And like Biggie said, now you know Do you need a break and escape just to ease your mind? Well look no further than your homies in the 209 Because it's time to lose all those blues that got you stressed out Give us one hour and you know we'll knock that mess out The best route is music, movies, laughter, and friends The conversation's starting, y'all jump on Come in on. And you know it won't stop, you know it don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, my friend The party don't stop, the party don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, my friend The party don't stop, the party don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, friend. The party don't stop, the party don't end. Now let's let the episode begin. What up, what up, what up, and welcome to another episode of the 209 till infinity podcast. As always, if you don't know by now, you better ask somebody. It's your boy, DJ Billy A. And across the way from me is my man, who's always on point, ready to rock that funky joint. Tell him what's up, my dude. And to this, I must anoint. Yes. The presidency of savagery. (laughs) Of savagery. I like it. What's going on, my people? It's getting late. <laughs> it's it's your boy, Drillbit. Yes. AKA Sexy Savage. Ooh, night, the night voice has oh, returned. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What's going on? It's your boy, California 6, Alabama 10. <laughs> You're in the building, huh? Yes, sir. You're too pretty to be in here. What? Yeah. I just want some wings. Dude. Yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. Come on. Come on, slick boy. Yeah, slick. Hey, also, you, you put a polo shirt on in Alabama. You're a fucking model. You're fancy, huh? Oh, you think you fancy with your collar shirt? Yeah. <laughs> Not really, ma'am. There ain't no barbecue stains on that collar, boy. Uh-uh. Yeah. Not any- up in here. Anyway. <laughs> All right, that's a deal right there. Okay, huh? roll tie. Roll tie. <laughs> <laughs> Did I think? I like that little tag on the end. That, cra- that shit cracks me up. Yo, man. Yeah, so as I talked about last week on last week's episode... This is a rare, we are now uh, rolling into uh, 9.30 in the evening recording this episode. Oh, hell yeah. So this is a, I, I keep thinking about, have you, did you ever watch SpongeBob? You didn't have little ones probably around that era. I did not watch SpongeBob. But not only did I not watch SpongeBob because I didn't have youngins in that era, I also didn't watch SpongeBob when the young adults that were my friends were into the SpongeBob yes, era. Yes. I was more of the, always the family guy, yes. Simpsons. Well, there's an episode of Sponge- SpongeBob works the Krusty Krab. This I know. And he absolutely l- is basically a fast food joint under the sea. He loves his job, but he works with Squidward, who can't fucking stand the job, right. like most normal people who work at fast food. But there was an episode where Mr. Krabs, because he's so money hungry, 
one of the customers happens to say, man, I wish you guys stayed open at night. I'd come here and eat all the time. And all of a sudden he sees dollar signs. He goes, well, boys, you're not going home. We're staying open at night now. Well, Squidward is like, fuck, God damn, I don't want to be here. SpongeBob can't contain himself. He is so excited that he just runs around and he's doing the normal shit that he does all day long already. But now it's fun because he's doing it at night. So he's fucking with Squidward <laughs> going, hey, Squidward, look at me. I'm taking out the trash at night. Hey, Squidward, check me out. I'm flipping patties at night night and everything he keeps going and squidward is just about to blow his top like how could you be digging this so that's that's how i feel tonight hey savage look at me i'm recording our podcast at night oh okay <laughs> that's what it feels like man hey so i had told you uh that i had a funny little story prior to us jumping on i was going to talk about it on the last episode i forgot I was going to talk about it on the last... You didn't forget. You didn't have time because my Bay Area tragedy story took a half an yeah, hour. That was insane, dude. And and rightly so. That story should have taken that long because that was a hell of like crazy, unfortunate series of events right there. That it was nuts. But so, as I often do, I was out walking my dog up Waterman Street in, uh, in Ione the other morning. And uh, there's a three people coming towards me as I'm walking up the street. They're walking down. Uh, and I am, as I often do, walking the dog. I'm wearing my House of Pain t-shirt. One of my favorite t-shirts. Love that House of Pain logo. Grew up on that 90s hip-hop. So I'm out and I own representing. Representing that House of Pain, baby. So I'm walking and the lady that's walking with these two gentlemen who looks to be, you know, around my age. Sometimes it's hard to gauge, but my guess would be late 30s to mid 40s. And I see my T-shirt catch her eye. And I'm thinking, here it comes. You know, someone's about to praise me for my exquisite musical taste, you know. And she goes, house of pain, huh? And I go, yeah, yep. And she goes, wow, hope you didn't do anything you regretted there. And... I'm walking past her and I pause and I start to say, you know, House of Pain's a band, right? I go, you know, ah, just let it go, Bill. Don't do it. So I went, nope, sure didn't. Didn't do anything I regretted. And she goes, well, that's good. And I go, yeah, yes, it is. And I just kept right on moving. I'm like, what did she think House of Pain? Did she think I went to some sadomasochistic torture camp or something or did torture she torture camp did she think it was a bar that was the probably after i thought about it i'm like house of pain with the irish logo maybe she thought it was like a pub and she's going like well i hope you didn't get fucked up and do something even stupid you know like oh yeah me and the boys went to house of pain and we were putting back putting back the guinness and the irish car bombs and i woke up the next day in bed with a transvestite hooker you know or something like that like is that what she's thinking like i don't know but it's just so funny you know you live in this bubble of your world and what you love and i just assumed immediately when i saw her eyes go to my shirt the reaction I thought she was going to get was, oh my God, House of Pain. I haven't thought about them in forever. Jump around, jump, jump, everybody jump around. And I was going to be like, that's right. That's right. They're incredible, man. They're still going. They still tour. And instead I got, hope you didn't do anything you regretted there. Like, nope, no, I didn't. Have a great day. 
So yeah, man, just goes to show you, man, it's funny to think that there's someone who has no idea, not a clue what House of Pain is. Because I do, when I think, I mean, Jump Around is played at every sports arena in the world at some point. And in movies and in television shows. So I just assume in my narrow little world, in my tiny little world and in my vision, that everybody's got to know who House of Pain is. And this lady was absolutely clueless. She thought it was some nasty, crazy ass bar where I put a few back and ended up making some bad decisions. <laughs> Hope you didn't do anything crazy at the House of Pain, Bill. That's right. <laughs> Hell, you know, what happens in the House of Pain stays in the House of Pain, baby. I ain't talking. That's I ain't telling nobody. That's what they say. But anyway, man, that kind of tickled me a little bit. Like, uh, I was like, that's not what I expected to happen on the walk. But hey, you never know when you're out walking the dog what you're going to see. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. So, what's up, my dude? Uh, I was just going to tell you something. Okay. Please do. And uh, probably not going to like it. Okay. And that's okay. I say I threw, uh, did I throw you off with my SpongeBob slash House of Pain stories? Listen, Bill, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Okay. I'm going to give you uh-huh. a super hard take. Okay. I like it. At night. Oh, I love it. Yes. Give me a super hard take at night. Uh, two things came out, and I don't know if you paid attention. Okay. I know you pay attention to one. Uh-huh. Um, the Eminem Snoop Dogg track came oh, out. Oh, I absolutely paid attention to that. Um, And I will tell you this. Uh-huh. That is the best I've heard Eminem sound I like in a while. Lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, he did not, and I've told you this, my biggest complaint about Eminem lately is he seems to have fallen in this one rhythmic pattern that he, all of his songs are in the same pattern, the same flow, the same cadence. He doesn't really move. Yeah. That's kind of everything he's been doing. I kind of felt like he was old Eminem a little bit, bouncing all over the place during this track. Mm. So I liked it. Love the beat. Did you like the beat? I did like the beat. I love that beat. Man. I don't know who did that. I'll have to look that up. I have not looked to see who produced that, but I really uh, the like beat that. is phenomenal. Yeah, Eminem is phenomenal. It I knocks. absolutely hate Snoop Dogg. You hated Snoop. I hate yeah. Snoop Dogg's verse, and I'll tell you why. Is I just the, if there's a hundred other rappers that I like, yeah, that do that better. Okay, I would rather hear them do that. Okay, then. When I get Snoop, I know what I want. Yeah. Like Snoop does one thing. Yeah. Right? And he does it extraordinarily well. Right. Sometimes he can speed it up a little bit. Sometimes he can go G-Funk. But Snoop is Snoop. Right. That's not Snoop's Snoop style. And I, it's cool, man. You liked it. It's cool. But like, I just did not like it. I would rather hear freaking Tech or Yella or Dax or any of these other guys that rap fast and do yeah. that kind of rhythmic flow. Better than Snoop, it just didn't sound right to me. It didn't come to body. Like yeah, it. I, I I liked it. I, I did like it. I thought just thought it was different. I caught it caught me off guard. It surprised me. Uh, there's bars in there. Uh, I really liked his bars. Uh, I don't think he wrote it. I don't think he's writing a lot of his stuff anymore. Which is it that that's where I'm having the most trouble with because I have a hard time as someone who raps, as someone who writes rhymes knowing that someone that I have placed on such a high pedestal as Snoop Dogg, especially recently, everything that I've been reading is a lot of people saying Eminem wrote it. 
I don't think I buy that because it's just stands that want to think Eminem can do anything. And I'm not saying that Eminem couldn't write a verse for Snoop Dogg. Right. I just know I've seen interviews with Snoop Dogg where he says he uses Superfly to write a lot of his verses and that he does use writers. I mean, Snoop doesn't try to hide it. Snoop uses writers. But where that puts me in a dilemma is like, okay, man, like, so whoever wrote that for Snoop, and I, I guess it could have been Eminem because wrote it and was able to write him something that was not his normal style. And Snoop was able to pull that off. That's not, uh, I've tried that chopping fast flipping style. I've done it once. I've written one verse over a beat and I really had to practice a lot. And it's even harder when I have a hard enough time remembering my own lyrics let alone remembering somebody else's words in a style that I'm not familiar with. Right. So I just, it just caught me off guard. And then I was like, wow, he's really doing it though. Like he's not phoning it in, half-assing it. And he, it was a trip how he did it in like this real like whisper. Like M comes in so Eminem still, no matter what. Like it's, it's a me and the doggy and we got it. And then Snoop's like, and I just a with the flow and like he's whispering and he's so he's still laid back right still super mellow but it was almost like he came in at a whisper and there were some bars in there my biggest thing that I'm wrestling with now is the fact that I have always said you can't have a rapper cannot be in my top anything if they don't pen their own rhymes so Snoop's got me in like this quandary now because I did find an interview with him on uh is it Skip Shannon? What's the Sh Shannon Sharp? Shannon Sharp has a show where he interviews people. He interviewed Snoop, and Snoop came right out. Oh, he goes, oh, yeah, when I use a rapper, when I use a writer, the writer has to write for me. Like, if I write for Dr. Dre, it's not Snoop Dogg writing for Dr. Dre. It's Snoop Dogg writing as Dr. Dre for Dr. Dre. So when somebody writes for Snoop, they got to write, they got to put themselves in my shoes and write like they're Snoop Dogg. And that's what Superfly and my writers that I use do for me. Like he came right out like, and he, it doesn't surprise me with the amount, the volume of material he's put out. I mean, he gave right. us back on death row and he's released two other albums since back on death row. One of them is more of a compilation summertime album. I listened to it, but he's all over it. And then the one before that is a straight up Snoop album. And we know that he's all over the Mount Westmore album. And he's done this track with, with Eminem. So the volume that he's putting out, I'm not surprised he's using a writer. And I did like that verse from him. But my hardest time, the thing I'm wrestling with the most is I've always knocked Drake. Everybody says Drake's the guy right now. He's the best. He's the one. Most people think he's the shit. And I've always been like, no, fuck no. Nobody can be the best if they don't pen their own rhymes. But... Snoop presents a quandary for me. Like, uh, I, I, uh, well, I can tell you this. I've said this before. Yeah. I stand by it. Yeah. I think that 95% of the guys use writers at some point or some help or some, you know, like we're working together on stuff. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, somebody, I think I, I, I truly, and I, I think most guys you like, think 95 percent of the mcs in general you think es what about like tech nine especially guys that are putting out that much material oh absolutely the like i said snoop's volume like now when we don't get a, a ask me roll through roll through some big names and i'll tell you if i think they have are they using right well your guy tech nine probably you think so on some level i i think maybe i can they put out so much stuff yeah but he's insane dude like i know for a, like eminem 
it's it's legendary that he just lives in the studio. He treats it like a nine to five. He checks in at nine, takes a lunch break at 11 for an hour, and he goes back until five every single day. He's in the studio working, working, working. Somebody like that, I don't know. I don't know. And, 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 and he drops and he puts out stuff that a lot of times it's corny and cheesy and I don't like if somebody's writing that for him it's awful and I guess I guess the I guess the answer to that question is like back on death row is some of the best bars Snoop's had since doggy style I guess it's this is it, it, it there's the difference between here Bill here's this lyric here's this song yeah DJ Billy Egg top five rapper of all time here's this song and yeah. you're like cool and you just do it yeah yeah that's, I guess, ghostwriting. Whereas, yeah, that is absolutely. You're like, hey, look, dude, I was writing this. It's just not coming together. Fucking Ubi wants. I gotta send a track. I gotta send a verse to Ubi. Yeah. Right. And then some. You, you and me work on a, on something with a beat. You know what I mean? You and I have collaborated. There's yeah. collaboration, <laughs> and then there's just somebody flat out writing for you. And I think Snoop Dogg has somebody just like, here's a beat. Uh write me something for this as if it was coming from me and then he gets it and he snoop dogs it up right he might change a word here and there or make it fit better fit more fit like nah i wouldn't say that g i'm gonna say it like this and and change his vocal tones and inflections or change the flow up but overall i do believe that someone's just handing him the lyric book whereas if snoop's in the studio with dre and dre says hey what if you said you know it's 187 on a motherfucking cop instead of it's 187 on an undercover cop. What if you did that? Like that's collaboration to me. Like that's, what if you said this instead of that or did this instead of that? Or what if we put a snare here? If Snoop was like, hey man, put the snare here instead of there. That beat's still produced by Dr. Dre. It's just Snoop put his two cents in on it. Yeah, so for me, like Tech Nine, I don't believe anyone's ever handed Tech Nine a song and been like, here you go. I don't, I don't think so. Like. I'd be shocked. But you that's the same thing that you would have said two months ago about Snoop. Right. But, so but Snoop, it's a different volume. Like three albums since February. Like that's insane, dude. Like that's the other piece four of that, albums. The actually. other piece of that is this. Is full they, albums. Is some of these guys like remember they were like they have like over five thousand Tupac verses. Yes. Afini Shakur does. Yeah, yeah. That he recorded and never put on anything. And he lived, again, they said he lived in the studio and he's, the way he wrote was fast. If people watched him write in the studio, that'd be another one I'd have a hard time. Jay-Z is another one I would have a hard time believing anybody's written for him. But then again, like... Oh, fuck Jay-Z. But I'm just like Scarface. I would never think in a million years someone handed Scarface a verse and wrote, wrote his shit for him. Like... I don't want to believe it. Rock you know him. what they say, kid. What do they say? Don't ever meet your heroes. Yeah, I do say that. Yes, I've heard that somewhere before. It sounds familiar. Just here quoting Thor, Love and Thunder. Yes, you are, my friend. Um, but yeah, I'd have a hard time thinking, sir, but you're right, Snoop. But here's the thing. Snoop's never been a rapper's rapper. Snoop doesn't get put in top 10 conversations. Um, he gets put in the longevity conversation. Like when people talk about Snoop's greatness, it isn't flow or bars. When they talk about Snoop, they talk about, my God, the guy's been here since 93 and he's still going. Like when they talk about Nas, 
When they talk about Pac, when they talk about Rakim, they're talking about bars and like best, greatest of all time. Snoop doesn't come up in those GOAT conversations very often. I could be wrong. Yeah. But we're going to table this. Yeah. That's my fault for bringing it up and turn it into this. I don't want to get too sidetracked because I want to definitely talk about these two things. Yeah, okay, that so there, that was the first one you were going to tell me. There was two things, right? Yeah. Two other things, quick. Don't know if you heard it. Definitely want to get it out there. Um, Jelly Roll released a song with Bradley Gilbert. I think it's phenomenal. I haven't heard that one yet. It's fantastic. Uh, Jelly Roll's rapping. Bradley Gilbert is a country singer. Okay. Kind of country, kind of down south it's a really good track huge fan of it uh check it out if you love jelly roll uh if you listen to us you're probably fully aware of how we feel about jelly roll that you know normally that kind of stuff pops up in spotify on my like i think i sent it to you it's called son of the dirty south you might have yeah i don't remember but normally on spotify it'll be like here new tracks you might like and it'll pop up i miss sometimes that that happens like you sent me the thing where jelly roll said get ready i'm rapping again or something like that for the people that said they ain't heard me rap i'm ready to rap again it's on this song it's not super hardcore rappy but yeah in the country style okay but i like it a lot uh, and the second th- and the last thing before we get into our meat and taters right. uh, was uh, before the Love and Thunder, we saw a uh, trailer for Avatar. And yes. I leaned over to you and I said, this is a perfect example of waiting too long. Right. Nobody cares. Right. I don't care. No, right? I don't either. And as I was driving home, uh, an E-40 song popped up on my Spotify and it was a really good song that I'd forgotten about, but it reminded me that I've already forgotten about the Matt West War album. Yeah, right, yeah. That's what they did. Right. By the time they release it to everybody, I'll probably check it out. Yeah. But I'm I'm already over it. Yeah, yeah. I was mad like the first couple, when we recorded, it was right after they had released it and announced that it was gonna be $3,000. And we did the episode where we talked about NFTs and and music and streaming and what's going on in the world with that kind of stuff. And I, and I was upset, not as much that I couldn't hear the album because like you and I both have said no, no real high hopes for that album. Like don't expect that one to be a classic or a crazy banger, just more curious than anything else because it had been so long. So yeah, you're absolutely right. At this point now, I'm no longer thinking about it. So, but that's what they're gonna do, right? They're gonna put it out there. They're gonna get all the crazy people that will actually spend $3,000 on an album because there's people that will. Once they feel they've gotten all those people to spend their money, then at some point they're gonna give this album to the public and then cash in the rest of the way. And you're absolutely right. I'll check it out, but I don't expect much from it. And yeah, I haven't thought about it. Uh, I feel like they gave us the uh, Snoop Dogg, because originally that Snoop Dogg Eminem track was supposed to be on the Mouse Westmore album. And I kind of feel like we got that in a way to be like, sorry about that. Here's something to hold you over. Like, don't be too mad. Here, this track bangs, and it does. So I've been more focused on that um, than, than I haven't thought about Mount Westmore. I just think about that and been listening to that. Uh, but yeah, man, yeah, you're absolutely right. Too little, too late at this point. Like when it does drop, it'll be too little, too late. Like the thrill is gone. You know, the excitement is over. Tell them, baby. Yeah, strike a, strike while the iron's hot, right? Or wait till the iron's completely dead. Yeah. Nobody even wants the iron anymore That's because right. irons are obsolete. Yes, they are. I watch 
a lot of TV. Yes. In my life, I've yes. watched a lot of TV. Yes. Um, and I am from a family that grew up watching TV. Right. Um, and I grew up watching Cheers and Dukes of Hazard and yes. Knight Rider and Golden Girls and The Cosby Show and... That's my family watched that kind that of That was stuff. the era when I watched TV. Now, I'm going to ask you this because I had this conversation with my wife real quick before we get in. Was there a point where you checked out? Because I'll tell you right now that there was a time in my life where I was just busy being me and doing what I had to do. There was a run there um, like Friends, Seinfeld, How I Met Your Mother, The Big Bang Theory. Um, I didn't see any of those. Like, I've seen, obviously... I know Seinfeld. I've seen reruns of it because it never stops running. I've seen reruns of Friends. I've seen reruns of The Office. But in their initial run, when everyone else was running home and talking about it the next day, like especially Friends and Seinfeld, like I never caught any of those. I had a, a, a run in my life with almost zero TV because I had kids and I was working and I was trying to make music. I had a run with no TV. So I was telling my wife, I said, you know, it's kind of interesting. And then I cut the cord, right? And I went straight to Netflix and Hulu and pretty much just watched movies. So it's been like these last three years. I've watched more TV in my life these last three years than I have in the last 20, you know, or maybe 20 might be pushing it, but 12 to 15 maybe. So I was wondering, was there a moment where you always a TV guy? Did you always have shows you tracked? Or was there a moment where you checked out? There was a probably four to five year gap when I was in college, right. I stopped watching TV. You were busy with your life. Doing life, partying, sports. Lady friends. Lady friends. <laughs> ladies of the night. Oh boy, hello. Hello. Uh, you know, Don't do anything you might regret at the House of Pain. <clears throat> had some drinks, hung out with a lady. Yeah. At night. Yes, that's what's up. Um, and I didn't really watch. And then at one point, I like I would watch stuff, but I would I didn't I wouldn't follow it. Right. Here and, then, and, it, there. and it was and it was this gap, but then I think when it kind of changed was with the evolution of um DVRs. T TiVo. TiVo DVRs. So yeah. TiVo came out before DVRs. T TiVo was right. the original DVR. But the capability of recording and fast forwarding through the commercials. And like being able to like basically record whatever you wanted. Pause live Pause, TV. come back and yeah. watch it when you wanted. Not have yeah. to put in a tape or right. time something or be somewhere. That's when it changed and I kind of got back into it. Like that was in the, the house MD era. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, it, you know, it's funny is by the time that technology came around, I had little ones. And uh, I was in a band and working and had kids. So what ended up happening is that DVR or the TiVo, whichever one it was at the time, whatever our cable company had and supplied us with, ended up being filled up with like Barney and SpongeBob, whatever, whatever the kids were into. Or uh, my ex-wife was into that reality bullshit, which I hated. So there was all kinds of like real world road rules. Uh, what was the one? Survivor, Big Brother, all that bullshit that I hated which would cause me to like step away even more. So I rarely use that. So yeah, right now 
I watch a lot of shows right now, um, but it's weird to all of a sudden have a reason to come home again and watch shit. Like it's it's kind of cool in a way, like something to be excited for after work, you know. Agreed. Yeah. That being said, I again have watched and do watch a lot of TV. Yeah. This season of Orville mm. is quite possibly the greatest TV I've ever watched in my life. It's really good. It oh, is man, it's good. Insanely well written. Yeah. Insanely well produced. Yes. Insanely visually just phenomenal. Every episode's a movie. It's every episode's a movie. And I have not watched a show. Usually there's a there's a dud. Like, oh yeah, that was a filler episode. Or boy, you know, last week's episode was better. They have outdone themselves every week. The first episode was really good. And then the second episode was better. And the third episode was better. By the time we got to the fourth episode, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, biting my nails going, this is the same person that does the family guy. This is insane. It is such an homage and a love letter to Star Trek. Um, I mean, especially Star Trek The Next Generation. Were your parents Trekkies? Did they watch? No. Uh, I, I don't know. My, I remember it being on. Yeah. I don't remember if maybe one parent liked it. They does. I don't remember. My mom and dad were devoted Trekkies. So when I was little, obviously Star Trek, the original Star Trek wasn't on the air, but they always watched the reruns. So when Star Trek The Next Generation happened, that was a big, big deal on my house. My parents... Uh, we'll get the VHS machine out, you know, the VHS and tape it, and they would re-watch episodes. And my parents were too cheap. God bless you both. I love you. But uh, they were too cheap to spring for cable. So they, and we were in Pine Grove. You know, you lived in Volcano. Without cable, you didn't get shit. So my parents had the rabbit ears and were holding them sideways and watching the shit through snow and fuzz. But um, this show is so Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, in Star Trek The Next Generation, there was a robot called Data who struggled with human emotions and tried to understand humans, but somehow got a job in Starfleet and was on the ship. Some people looked down on him, didn't like being with him, but other people appreciated what he did. Very much like Isaac. Uh, there was a Klingon on the ship. Klingons were known to be enemies of the uh, the Starfleet. And so, but he was an officer in Starfleet and he was trying to adjust to their customs and he had rituals and mating things and things that he did in his culture that people didn't understand, but he still had to do it much like uh, the Mocklin um, Bordis, much, very much like Bordis. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation had a female security officer who kicked a lot of ass. So does, uh, so does the Orville, like so many crazy similarities they have a room where they can go in and create things in star trek the next generation they called it the hollow deck i forget what they call it in the orville but they can go in and pretend they're in the wild west remember there's one episode where they're all in the wild west yeah yeah and in walks isaac and they're they're, they're basically creating a, 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 a like it's almost like vr right where they can create anything they want in this room and do whatever they want they called that the hollow deck in star trek the next generation so what's crazy is it's like they're biting but they're doing it so well that it's not, it's not poking it's fun. Simulators. It's yeah, yeah. It's not poking fun at the show. You could clearly see that. Um, oh, what's his name from the creator? Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. You could clearly see Seth MacFarlane loved the source material. 
He's got an absolute passion and a love for it. And to me, he's writing a love letter to Star Trek, but he's doing it so, oh my God. You know, when they first announced this show, I don't know what you thought, but I thought it was going to be like Family Guy in yep. space. Really cheesy, goofy, kind of like the humor we got in uh, Thor Love and Thunder, but making fun of Star Trek. Like, I kind of thought it was going to be like Spaceballs. Right. Every season, the first two seasons were good. This season immediately comes out the gate dealing with prejudice, dealing with divorce, dealing with suicide. I have hardly laughed. A couple of small chuckles, but I don't want that. Like, that's not what I'm looking for with this show. It is so well written. The, the, did you watch the most recent one? The time travel episode. Yep. Oh my God, dude. So good. So fuck. Or the, the one where they go to the planet and they're immediately zapped into a high school and they don't know what's going on. And they find out it's the higher beings just basically treating them as like an experiment to see what they could do and they start pondering their own lives and they they have a big conversation at the end about have they thought about dying and death like very serious dude prejudice suicide divorce um uh a woman's right to choose is another one remember the, the episode with the little girl yep the little alien girl who who was a girl, but the parents decided to make so, her a boy. Transgender. Transgender, dude. So much serious. I would if you if I if I lived in under a rock and had no clue what Family Guy was, and somebody showed me an episode of the Orville and an episode of Family Guy and said the same people make this show, I'd have said, "Get the fuck out of here." There's no way in hell, like. Yeah, man, you're absolutely right. This has, this season, I'm like every week so excited when a new episode drops. Like this, hands down, right now. I haven't seen the boys yet. Uh, I'm five or six. I think there's six episodes in now. So, but as of right now, of all the TV I'm watching at the moment, uh, this is my favorite show right now. Out of uh, you know, I was watching Obi Wan and and I'm watching this and. I got the boys I got to watch, but you're absolutely right, man. As of right now, this is the best TV out there. I'd watched the first three seasons when they were on, I believe, Fox. Yeah. And I enjoyed them. I enjoyed... It, it was... This is season three that we're getting. <clears throat> All right, the first yeah. two seasons yeah, yeah. on Reveal. Right. Of, I mean, on Fox. And they were really good. I enjoyed them. I really liked the characters. I liked the stories. Yeah. I like, it was just, you know, it's it just... good. It's absolutely way better than I thought it was going to be. Yes, me too. Uh, it was Same. one of those things where I just... I only checked in because it was Seth MacFarlane. Right. Absolutely. And then I was like, oh, it's kind of good. Sheer curiosity. Yeah. Like, what's then, this guy going to do? And then this season is just phenomenal. So if you haven't watched Orville, it's on Hulu. Do yourself yes. a favor. Check yeah. it out. For me to have watched the level of TV that I have watched in my life, for me to say this quite possibly might be the best TV show I've ever seen this season right now. It is that good, man. It is really, really good. Agreed. 100%. Yeah, that's absolutely. Uh, um, I'm on pins and needles every week. Every episode, like I said, is better than the previous. They're outdoing themselves. And I watched, I saw an interview with one of the producers who said, I'm not setting out to make a television series. I'm setting out to make a movie every week. It's a little over an hour movie every week. And he, they've absolutely done that. You said it, man. The visual effects, they sunk some dough. You see the dough in this show. Like you see the money spent on the screen. The scripts are amazing. The acting is great. The visual effects are great. 
Uh, yeah, kudos to, I'm so glad Hulu picked it up because it's been a two-year gap since the last season and I was beginning to wonder if we were ever going to get it. And we did, man, and it was it was so worth the wait. It is so good, so good. 100% agree with you there, man. In addition... Yes. We have also watched a movie. We did. We did watch a movie, absolutely, 100%. We watched a... Uh, Tell the people. Adam Sandler has made the move, not recently, but he made the move to Netflix. He is now, for the most part, only making movies and uh, television programs and stand-up specials for Netflix. He's got a Netflix deal. So he just released a movie called Hustle. Adam Sandler, it's been well noted in Hollywood that he's a massive basketball fan. Any chance he gets, he is out on the court playing. Hell, he'll show up to The Tonight Show to promote a movie. Have you ever seen him show up? Most people go on like Jimmy Fallon in a suit. He'll come out in like baggy-ass basketball shorts and tennis shoes and a ball cap. Like, yo, I was just at the gym playing ball, man. Like, he loves basketball. He puts Shaq and a lot of these guys in his movies. Like, he puts athletes and basketball players make cameos in his movies quite a bit. I mean, he did a movie with Kevin Garnett. Shaq has popped up in several of his movies. So he's a massive basketball fan. So uh, I guess LeBron's team, actually, because LeBron has gotten into producing movies, sent this script to Adam. Adam team, the movie's called Hustle. Adam's team loved the script, but he gave it to his people and they kind of tweaked it, revamped it, rewrote it. Uh, and then they worked, LeBron's team and Sandler's team worked together to produce this movie. And I sent, right after I watched it, I sent you, I said, this is easily, easily top five Sandler for me. Um, he's, Sandler has always wanted to be a dramatic actor, I feel. And at times, he's, I think he's come close and he can do it. He's got the chops for it, but I've never felt like he's had a great dramatic vehicle. Like he did Punch Drunk Love and he did Rain Over Me where he played the guy who was kind of traumatized from 9-11. Um, those were fine. He did, what was the movie Spanglish? I didn't really care for that. Recently, he did this one, uh, the one with Kevin Garnett. Uh, Jules, what was it? Crown Jewels, something Jewels. I, damn it, I can't remember the name of it now. This was he got like nominated for awards, and his performance is insane. The movie is so stressful. It's such a hard watch. I'll never watch it again, though. Not the case with Hustle. Hustle is it makes you feel good, makes you tear up, makes you laugh, has you going through all the emotions, uh, and it is absolutely a movie I will 100% watch again. Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Thank you, because he, he works in a jewelry shop. Um, that movie was a hard watch. He's phenomenal in it. Not funny at all. He's he's He does an amazing job. It's just one of those movies where you feel like you're on the edge with him the whole time, and then the way it ends, it has a horrible ending. I won't spoil it for you because you've never seen it. Ends badly for Sandler. Um, but this movie is one I will absolutely watch again. Like I said, I was cheering him on. I was laughing with him. At the same time, there were moments where I got a little choked up. Um, and I love basketball. The basketball was phenomenal. Well choreographed, exciting basketball scenes. Um, just overall, man, like I said, I, I could easily see this being in, you know, being up there with Happy Gilmore and The Wedding Singer and 50 First Dates. Like it's one of his best this is what I've been waiting for from Adam Sandler since he made the move to Netflix. Because he's made 
I, I love Sandler, but he has made a lot of basura, garbage, trash, whatever you want to call it. There's He's put out some shit on Netflix, like really bad movies. So this was an absolute, to mix my sports analogies, this one was an absolute home run. Man. Slam dunk, home run, you know. Whatever you want to call it, man. I, 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 hey, they really sank it in for birdie. Yes, that's right. Let's put all the sports analogies out there. Yeah. Goal! Really slam dunked a home run <laughs> yeah. by chipping it in for birdie. Yes, sir. Whatever you want to call it, they did it. <clears throat> they did it. I thought it was cat. I wouldn't. Hey, man. So I let would, me just. Yeah, go ahead. Jump in. So jump let in. me just let me just drop some names on you. Yes. Adam Sandler. Correct. Queen Latifah. Yep. Ben Foster. Yep. Robert Duvall. So good. Jaleel White. Yeah. Okay. Those are just the actor actors. Right. Now you break down the athletes that are in the movie. Juancho Hernan Gomez. Right. Kenny Smith. Right. Anthony Edwards. Correct. Okay. Not even close to done. Right. Mo Wagner. Yeah. Boban Marjankovic. Right. Michael Foster Jr. Julius Irving. Yep. Matisse Thybul, Tobias Harris, yep. Kyle Lowry, Tyrese Maxey, Seth Curry, Doc Rivers, Dirk Nowitzki, Brad Stevens, Jerry, Jay Wright, Jordan Clarkson, Trey Young, Aaron Gordon, Mark Jackson, Allen Iverson, Luka Doncic, Tim Young, Leandro Barbosa. Those are Mark Cuban. Yeah. Those are all legitimate either NBA yes. or... Uh-huh. NBA uh, coaches or regarded in the NBA, huge names. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. AO, prime objective, bone collector, main event, the professor, there he go, and lethal shooter. Yeah. The, the Seven street, le- street ball and one legends. Yeah. The professor's insane. Yeah. I like In this him. game. Yeah. Or in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Athlete, right? Fat Joe was in it. Yes. There's so many little things where guys were popping up. You'd be like, "Oh shit! Oh yeah. shit!" Yeah, like because because it, it they really embrace the social media, right? right. So people were. Yeah, yeah, Luka yeah. Doncic had a very small clip. He was just on one of the things where they were like the Bo Cruise challenge. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there was so much of that stuff. And you know, that, and and that's a formula sometimes for a disaster for a movie. When you start throwing in that many cameos, especially of people who aren't trained or professional actors, that could be a disa- a recipe for disaster. You could be looking at a train wreck of a movie, but it just works so well. I would have never in a million years put Adam Sandler and Queen Latifah together. Like that on paper doesn't sound like a match at all. Like when I saw like, oh shit, Queen Latifah's in this and she's playing Sandler's wife. Oh, that ain't going to work. Like, get ready to... Here comes another Sandler Netflix stinker. And they were so good together, dude. It worked so well. Like, they gelled. Like, I believed that she was the wife that was rooting him on and encouraging him to do what he loved. But at the same time, when he was doing it in kind of a shady, shady, shysty way, she was also the wife that was like, Hey, 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 what the hell's going on? Why are you spending all this money? Like she walked that tightrope really well. And I just, I did, I believe that they loved each other without them having to have this like crazy romance. Like they weren't all kissy, kissy, lovey, lovey. They were like a couple that had been married a really long time. 
I believed it. Like I didn't go in expecting to believe that relationship. And it, it worked for me like really well. And just for me, what really hit home with this movie was the guy that has done the same job for forever. And he's so good at it that he feels trapped in it. Like I completely 100% related to that. I'm like, that was me. Just unfortunately, I didn't have a cool job like scouting for the NBA. I was stuck in a fucking restaurant. But here's this guy who's done this forever. He's got a kid and a wife at home. He's living out of hotels and airlines and airports for for the last however many years it's been. But everybody knows his name. Everybody knows who he is. He's respected and he does the job so well. He's made himself like indispensable. Like they don't want to promote him. He deserves a promotion. He should be moved up a long time ago, but they won't let him. He's stuck and trapped. And I could so relate to that, man. So let me start here. Yeah. I thought Queen Latifah was fantastic. Yeah, me too. This is the absolute role that I want to see her in. Yeah. I just don't buy her when she's the tough cop, the tough. She's in the TV show, The Equalizer right now. I caught an episode one night somewhere and it was awful. I don't know. She's rolling around like they'll turn the lights off and then all of a sudden the lights come back on and she's standing there and the guys are down on the floor and she's got a gun on him. And I'm like, okay, so you turn the lights off so we don't see the fact that she wouldn't really ever. It was, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And, and look, and this is yeah. not a man thing and a no, woman no. thing. There's several women actors or actresses who we live in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Where I don't think twice about it. I don't ever go, oh, I don't believe that. Yeah. I just, I love it. And then clearly there's people who don't agree with us. I think The Equalizer is a hit show. I could be wrong. I, I might be wrong. But anyway, I agree with you. This. Role, I felt like this role was tailor-made for her. I, this is my favorite Queen Latifah performance I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I loved it. Some emotion, real good acting. Yeah. I thought it was great. Ben Foster is one of those actors who's in all these things, and he's just always good in what he does. Right. And he's a scumbag in a lot of stuff that he's in. Yeah. Right? He was, so he was the bad guy. Um, in so he was in the Punisher, right? He was in um, that one movie, or he was in uh, Lone Survivor. He was one of the four guys with Mark okay. Wahlberg on the on the hill. Okay. Uh, he was in um, he was in the program. Mm. He was in that one movie with um, Mark Wahlberg too. Uh, Contraband. Okay. He was the bad guy contraband. in Contraband. Okay. It's just one of those guys that always pops up. Right. That I just, man, I hate that guy. Yeah. But he's, that means you're good at what you do. Yeah. And, and he, he played a real good asshole in this movie. He, and they established it so well right out the gate. San, Sandler comes in and says, you do not want to draft this guy. He's not ready. He doesn't have the work ethic. And Foster's character goes, oh, no, we can do this, man. Look, he can do this, this, and this. Hell, yeah, get him. He gets him, and then the dude's not doing at all what he expected. Like, you know, just like Sandler said, the guy was a piece of trash, and he didn't listen. But they establish him being that guy right out the gate, and you know where it's leading. It's really well done. Kenny Smith, former NBA player. Also, he's on the TNT uh, show with With Shaq and Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley. Yeah. Former Sacramento King. Yep. Former Houston Rocket, NBA champion, 
acting. Yeah. I thought he did a great job. Me too. I never once at any point in this movie with all of these actors and, and athletes, I never once went like, well, that was awkward. Yeah. When they had Dirk Nowitzki on a FaceTime, wasn't awkward at all. Great. Such a great scene. Great scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah. They didn't believe that Sandler was a scout for the NBA and he goes, hey, hold on. Let me see if I can call him. And he puts Nowitzki on a FaceTime to convince this young man that he's legit. And it's and, really and, good. And Nowitzki fucks with him for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who the hell are you? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Robert Duvall. I mean, do I have to say much more about Robert Duvall? And, and you know a movie's good when they get an actor of his caliber and kill him off. Like, in the first 15 minutes of the movie, he dies. Like, he's got, like, basically two scenes in the movie before they kill him, before he has a heart attack or something and passes away. And he's legendary. And this movie, when they killed him, I went, oh, I really like him. That's too bad. But I forgot immediately because the movie's so damn good. Like... I thought Bo Cruz was fantastic. Man, I... I don't know where this kid came from. I'm not even familiar with him in the NBA because I don't watch enough NBA. I don't have television. So um, I don't even know. Like, I had to look him up to see who he was playing for and kind of look at his stats. But he's a fucking natural, man. Like, he... Uh, I got emotional watching him with when he saw his daughter for the first time after being over in the States and trying to get into the NBA and he hadn't seen her. Sandler flew her and the mom out and... Uh, he, uh, yeah, again, no awkward moments. No, oh man, this is a basketball player trying to act like LeBron James in Space Jam. Like, dude, you're playing LeBron. Why do you suck at this? Yeah, like, yeah, dude, why is this awful? You should be better at being you. Yeah, it was bad. This guy could have a future in acting if he wanted to. Good looking kid, young. Like, yeah, he knocked it out the park, man. Like, I was, like, super impressed. Especially when I'm guessing English probably isn't his first language. I don't know. He has an accent. I think he's from Spain, if I'm correct. He is. So my guess would be that probably English is a second language. So to have never acted, to be given the lead role in a movie, and then you're, you're coming into that lead role, having to memorize dialogue and bounce off of people in a language that isn't your first spoken language, dude, he hit he killed it man like i was like super impressed you're absolutely the thing you said that hits home is there was never that awkward moment like like i said this is this is a basketball player pretending to be an actor no this dude was a legit actor, just you, an actor you saw that when you watched the original space jam some of those guys were super awkward oh it was, yeah. jordan was great yes jordan yeah. just has one of those personalities he was one of those guys never he never looked weird or felt awkward, even though he was interacting with cartoon characters that weren't really there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Never once. Yeah. But Sean Bradley was awkward. Yes, he was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Barkley. Too. Awkward. Yeah. 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 You Absolutely. know, Muggsy Bogues. Awkward. Yeah. It wasn't. It was weird. Okay. Let me say this. Anthony Edwards, who played Kermit Wiltz. Yes. Was the other number one. Yes. Tri rank guy. He was fantastic. Yeah. He played such a good bad guy yeah. even though it wasn't really a bad guy he was just a confident you know like kind of the the, the antagonist for yeah, Bo Cruz the, the, the shit talker who got shit in his talker head. who was going to be the number one pick in the draft yeah that guy yeah he was just good. did a great job he's a basketball player okay yeah I, I looked him up afterwards yeah, yeah. he's a basketball that, player so. I never felt like oh here's a basketball player trying to act right no yeah these guys all fell into these roles incredibly comfortably like 
whoever the casting director was, and I know Sandler, I've seen interviews, Sandler had a big part in making the decision, but man, a job well done to the team that put this movie together, that wrote the script, that did the casting, like just all the way around. I just, I what a ride. I was on it from beginning to end. And uh, it, it's, it goes into my, like I said, top five Sandler movies. And I will absolutely watch this movie again. Uh, not tomorrow, but you know, uh, it, it, you know, maybe it's, tomorrow. It's, it's possible. It's possible. Like I'm a little busy tomorrow, but you never know. Um, but definitely next year at some point, if it sticks around on Netflix, I will definitely pull this one up and watch it. It'll go into the rotation of movies I pull out every so many years and watch. Okay, ready? Ready. This is Sandler's best film. His number one. You're putting it at number one. Number one. I haven't sat with that. It's an easy top five for sure. And the reason is, yeah, you talked about him really putting out some duds. Oh, right, lots of duds, stinkers. But when you talk about his other movies that are good, yeah, they're kind of all bunched up together in the same. That's just kind of his format, his style, right? Fifty first dates, Billy Madison, like it's Happy Gilmore, like the. He has a thing. The wedding singer. They're yeah. all kind of the same. They're different, but they're the same. Right, right, right. Right? Yeah. This is different. Oh, for this sure. This is so good. Yeah. This is so real. Yeah. This is such a fantastic movie. I didn't watch Uncut Gems because the one thing I heard from multiple people is it's hard to watch. It really is. And I don't like I don't do good with those kind of movies. Un- I get squeamy. I don't like I don't like yeah. being uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable. And absolutely. I don't like that. It absolutely does. So I haven't watched that. This may be a top five movie for him too. I know if it's got great ratings. For it to be a Netflix movie and have like an 8.0 is yeah. super high. Right. This movie to me is his best movie ever. Yeah. The I, I Wedding Singer I love Happy Gilmore I love those are all Billy Madison they're all classics yeah but they're all kind of the same movie a little bit to me right this is so different to me so good like I feel like this Adam Sandler is we see all these comedy guys that try to switch over right right and they yeah, yeah. suck yeah yeah they're just not good yeah. or it's not right yeah you know what I mean like same kind of thing with the basketball. To the actor, like I never felt like, oh, that's a basketball. Tra-. I didn't feel like this is a comedy guy trying to be serious. Right. Like when I felt when I was watching Jim Carrey try to do something. Yeah. I just felt like this is Adam Sandler just fucking killing it. Like this is I would have his to fucking job. Carrey kills it in the drama too. I have to disagree with you there. But um, I never felt Jim Carrey forced any of his drama. Like when you watch uh, The Majestic or The Truman Show or like, man, he, he fucking murders it. But... But no, I hear what you're saying. San- Sandler is di- when you go from being the like, you can do it guy, you know, those movies to he always puts the same ten people in all his movies. And yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know where I would rank this one yet. I haven't thought about it, but I told you top five, like right, right easy, immediately, you told easy me that. top five. So for sure, it's it's high, it's high on my list. The other thing uh, you talked about, Love and Rocky, uh, it was last week's episode or the week before. Uh, I've talked about the Rocky theme songs and the and how it gets you pumped up. Man, there's nothing better than a good training montage either. And this movie, Hustle, has one of the best ones I've seen in a long time where Sandler is timing him to get up the hill, right. following him in the car, and he's 
got to get up to the top of the hill within a certain amount of minutes and you know and they're not going to stop until he does it so they keep going back to that but they're also showing him doing dribbling drills and shooting drills and there's an insane training montage that all it needed was it would have been right there like you know like that's all it was missing but you, those kind of montages give me the goosebumps man i always love that shit so much makes me want to go run up a hill and then i get up in the morning and go ah fuck it <laughs> but there's that inspirational moment when you're watching those montages where you're like i could do this too you can do it like i just needed him behind me saying that this is a that's another this another point of this movie that i freaking love how many times have you watched a movie like this yeah right and they kind of call it in on the training right all yeah, of a yeah. sudden the guy's just good now right or they just very easily right you see him just sitting in the in the in the park with the professor for five minutes you see him going back to this you see him running you see him lifting weights. You see him working with another guy. You see him right. working on the dribbling. Yeah. You see him working on the shot. You see him in the gym training, working on the forward and the back. How many times did they show him dribbling, keeping it low and trying to throw it through the tire? Yeah, a ton. A ton. Yeah. Like yeah. they did not shortchange the actual training part. No. Which I thought was so important to the movie that Absolutely. they didn't mail that in. Yeah. And this is not fake. They're literally out there doing this. Yes. Or, I mean, Bo Cruz's Juancho Hernan Gomez. But, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, didn't, this, they were actually doing the drills. He was out there with the professor working on his step back and his dribbling, right? Yeah. And then the whole time, right, Stanley Sugarman, a.k.a. Adam Sandler, is just talking shit to him. Yeah. To toughen him up because he's a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he, he's got soft spots. And in the league, they're, that's what they're going to take advantage of. They're oh, going to yeah. push you. That mind game. Right? Yeah. Shit talking. It yeah. just was such a good movie, man. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I was, I'd heard a lot of good things. Yeah, I did too. And so when I go into a movie and I'm hearing good things, yeah. it's kind of hard to impress me. Yeah. Because I'm already got a high expectation. Nowhere to go but down. Hey, yeah. I was already expecting high things. Yeah. And it blew me away. Yeah. Blew really me away. I was uh, so, so happy because I'm a big Sandler fan from way back, as it sounds like you are as well. And the dude had, you know, we talked about Jim Carrey. Like, those guys had such insane runs. Like, Sandler had a run, like, that I don't think a lot of people. He was a box office king. Like, I don't know how many billions he's probably made. But when you think about from Billy Madison up, he had a run that's almost untouched. Like, because I'm pretty sure it went Billy Madison and then was Happy Gilmore was next. And then he rolled into like The Wedding Singer. And it just, it just they just kept coming. The hits just kept coming there for a minute. He had a run that like of number one movie after number one movie after box office smash. Like, oh, in there was The Water Boy was in there as well, too. Like, he was killing it for a while, like with his own style, like every critic and, you know, he's never been a critical darling. So I also like to see what I like about uncut gems in this movie is the critics are finally going, okay, yeah, Sandler can actually do this. Cause the one thing is they shit on 51st dates and the wedding singer and Billy Madison and happy Gilmore and big daddy. Those movies get shit on like the critics don't understand. I've never understood why Sandler was successful. 
but um, he found a formula and he found a good group of people to work with and he just kept delivering like the movies are funny man but then he you know like nothing lasts forever like so he hit a streak man where there's like some fucking awful movies man or it's like come on man uh, you could do better than this dude like you're just well I just I certainly like it because on top of it being Adam Sandler and him kind of acting outside of his norm yeah right it's just it's something different but i think it's something like we know how passionate about basketball he is we've seen him in videos playing with Shaq and all these guys you know way before this stuff oh wait yeah 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 absolutely yeah he plays in those celebrity like in the uh, all-star game and one of my favorite adam sandler movies is a movie that's not even you wouldn't even probably put on your top five what's that which chuck and larry I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. I own that. In that my movie's DVD. hilarious. I own it on HD DVD. Oh, you got it on the HD DVD. I got it on Blu-ray somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, probably not my top five. That was one of those ones that was weird. I really liked it the first time I watched it, bought it, and then got it home and rewatched it and didn't find it as funny the second time. I don't know what it was. I didn't laugh as much the second time. Maybe I need to revisit. But I did really enjoy it the first time, enough that I went out and bought it. Like, so, and I... I don't know what happened. I may have been it's in one a of bad... my favorite. One of my favorite lines in that movie is when uh, they find out that uh, that uh, Kevin Smith is, or Kevin James is. Yeah. Or no, that which one's gay? Neither one of them are actually gay. Oh, that's right. They're faking it. Yeah, they're faking it. But, yeah. So they, but the, it's Kevin but the other, James though. But the other guys don't Kevin. know they're gay. Right. So they're going to play basketball. Right. And they're like, uh, you hit him with the old booskadoosh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Rob uh, Rob Schneider is the guy that's uh, making the uh, that where they get married. Yeah, he's they, playing the Asian the yeah. the Asian guy marrying. <laughs> Did you know I just found out he's actually half Asian? Did you know that? No, that doesn't surprise me. Though. I didn't. I had no idea. I watched his stand up comedy special on Netflix, and he's talking about his Asian mother. And I because I always thought. That scene, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, I go, yo, that's kind of ballsy to have a white dude. Like, basically not blackface, but he's playing a very stereotypical Chinese person. Like, really, how come people haven't banned this? Oh, it's because he's half. I don't know if it's, I think it might be Filipino. I forget, but in the special, he talks about it. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, that makes sense. I had no idea. Absolutely no idea. But yeah, man. uh, What what size for you? Six times XO? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I gotta 500, watch it. Five hundred doll hairs. I gotta watch it again, man. It's been a minute. Maybe I was just in a bad way the second time I watched it, but I bought it, and I was going, "Yo, this is funny." And I sat down, and maybe I was in a bad mood that day, but I gotta watch it again. I, Classic, I, Bill. The Wedding Singer is up there for me. That's in my top five. Uh, Fifty First Dates. I think him and Drew had incredible chemistry, uh, and they really synced in on those movies. Obviously, I love. Uh, Billy Madison, the you know the golf that shit's just funny. Sandler golfing is just funny. I wish they'd make a sequel to that. I'd kill for that. This movie, Hustles, in my top five. I don't know. I really have to think about what else I put in the top five. But yeah, well, man. maybe something to think about. Think about your Sandler top five. We'll ask the people out there. Yes. What's your Sandler top five? Yes. Let us know. We want to know. Please. Um. Did you like Hustle? Did you like Hustle? If yeah. you didn't, you're lying or... Yeah. You're wrong. You're wrong. That's it. Wrong. Do it, Savage. 
wrong. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, why don't you do me a favor and uh -huh. hustle us the heck up out of here? All right. In the immortal words of my man, George Clinton, anything good is nasty, but it ain't good unless you play with it. So go out there and have some fun, my people. And until the next time, we will see you in the 209. Oh, Cruz! Peace.